worship you, Jesus. Come on, church, lift him up today. Love on him. Love on him. He's worthy of all praise. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we worship you, mighty King. We bless you, God, because you are worthy of all glory and worthy of all honor and worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Come on, church, press into him this morning. Hallelujah, worship him because he's worthy. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's mighty God. He's the prince of peace. He's everything you need today. I don't know what you came to with today, but he's everything you need today. Hallelujah, we worship your king of glory. We magnify your name, Lord Jesus. You listening online, he's everything you need today. You reach out to him and let him come and touch your life today because he's worthy. Come on, church, worship him. He's worthy. He's lovely. He's precious. Glory to God. I love you, Jesus. That name that is above all names, the wonderful name of Jesus. There's something about that name. That name stirs up people. It stirs up things. It just makes, it, it sometimes the name of Jesus just run, runs wrecking over people. They don't know what to think about the name of Jesus. They get nervous at the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in that name. There's lovely in that name. There's peace in that name. There's healing in that name. There's things God can do more in, a, in that name in one second that we can even think of in a lifetime. Come on, church, lift him up, worship him because he's worthy of all glory, he's worthy of all honor, and he's worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together and give him a clan clap of praise because he is the worthy of one of all men. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. You better be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm standing, sitting, standing there thinking about this morning's message. And, and I realized I probably should have entitled it something different. I shouldn't have entitled it, What Would You Do to Get to Jesus? How far are you willing to go to get to Jesus? What are you willing to give up to get to Jesus? Hallelujah. And this morning we're going to look at two stories in the Bible of two individuals that they did whatever it took to get to him. Sometimes you got to lay aside your dignity to get to him. Hallelujah. I said sometimes you just got to lay aside your dignity to get to him. And give it all up. Holly, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Hallelujah. Think about it. There's, what we're going to read this morning is really in reality of two stories within one. Beginning at verse 21. It says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat... To the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came to Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. When Jesus went, with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged at him. 
Now a certain woman had a flow of, of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was, was no better than, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him and in the crowd and touched the hem of his, touched his garment. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she fell in her, felt in her body that she was healed by, of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Depends on what translation you're reading from. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging at you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." Now then, if you would, turn with me over to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Beginning at verse 17. It said, now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judah, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I want you to think about those last few words. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. What I see there, and I'm going to stop there for just a second. What I see there is that all the Pharisees and Sadducees and all their religious leaders were hanging out around. And really and truly at the reality of it is that very moment in time that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Right there, it was, they had the opportunity of themselves to say, I believe in, this, in the Messiah. He's here. I see it. I've, heard them, I've seen the miracles. I've, and what they're about to witness proved that he was a true Messiah, that Jesus was there to redeem the nation of Israel and to, to redeem the whole world. Because the power was there immediately to heal whoever was around him. So they had the opportunity of themselves to say yes to him. But they didn't. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up, up on the housetop and let down with his bed through the tower, the toweling into the midst before Jesus. That means he tore off the roof to get to him. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Remember, everybody else that were around him at that moment, including the Pharisees, had that opportunity. And the scribes and Pharisees begin to reason, saying, 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or say to arise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, when have we have seen strange things today. You know, what amazes me, I think, today in the church, if they see something, a power of God move, they may think, well, this is strange. I haven't seen this before. Because see, there's something, too, there's, there's two different miracles here, or really three miracles we kind of talked about. We talked a little bit about Jairus' daughter. But there are two miracles that happened that we're, talk, we're going to talk about today. We're really not going to focus that much on the miracles. We're going to focus on why these miracles actually took place. We're going to focus on and concentrate on in these stories, not on the miracles, but on what caused these miracles. The first one we're going to talk about is a paralytic. He had some friends. He was crippled. He couldn't walk, paralyzed. I don't know. He might have been paralyzed from the waist down. He might have, been, might have been completely paralyzed. It really doesn't say, but he was a crippled man to the point where they had to carry him wherever he went. So his friends gathered up the crippled man. Why? Because they had heard about this man, Jesus. They had heard about the miracles. But that day he wasn't working miracles at that time. He was teaching the word. The word was going forth. He was teaching and ministering to people that were around him. He probably started in a little house. And all of a sudden they begin to hear something. And all of a sudden people begin to gather around. Well, really and truly if you think about it, the power of the Lord was in that place. And around that little place wherever he was to heal whoever walked in and whoever got around Jesus. The power of the Lord was there. It began to woo them and draw them. Why? Because the word, was, the word was speaking. I said the word was speaking. I said the word was speaking. And it began to draw them in. And something began to take place. And it wooed them in. But again, all of these, these men who had this crippled man they had heard about Jesus. Maybe they had heard about some miracles that had taken place. Maybe they heard about the miracle at the wedding in Canaan that he turned the water into wine. But they heard about Jesus, so we got to go get to this man. We got to go find him. I think if we find him, we, I believe that, that he can heal our brother here, he can touch his body. When they arrived, there was a big crowd and they couldn't get into the house. Why? Because at that time, the crowd was so big, you couldn't even get through it to get to him. And so they made their way and they were trying to get through the crowd. 
so they looked around and they said, we can't get in. And they looked up and they said, well, maybe if we could get up on the roof and tear the roof off, maybe we could get down and get to him. How far would you go to get to Jesus if you heard the Lord was walking around in the midst of you today? And you may not see him, but he's here. They said, we have to get to him. We got to get to Jesus. We can get, get, just get to him. Sister friend, we can, our brother can be healed. So they got up on the roof, they began to tear it back. They didn't care what people thought. They didn't care that they were disrupting everything. They said, I've got to get to Jesus. I don't know what I have to do, but I've just got to go and do whatever it takes to get to him. Because if I know that I get to him, that's, I know something's going to happen. I know that I can probably be healed and I can walk again. And we're going to help you, man. We're going to get you there. We're going to do whatever it takes to get you to that point to where you can receive what Jesus has and what we've heard about. Because we heard about the deaf ears opening up. We heard about the blind man seeing. Because, see, just moments before they got around the crowd to where Jairus is, people were coming to him to get his attention. He had just come off the boat. And that young man, a young boy, filled with seven legions of demons, he spoke to them demons and cast them demons out, and they had to leave him. Why? Because wherever Jesus went, he stirred up things. things. Things happened. Havoc began to rain out. People began to be healed. Things were happening. Well, because wherever he is, things happen. If you're home today and you're sitting and you're watching this by live stream, <laughs> he can walk right into your house. He can walk right into your car and sit down next to you. And he can touch you and heal you and deliver you and set you free. Hallelujah. But are we willing to go and do whatever it takes to get to him? We just got to get to Jesus. They tore the roof off and then they lowered him through the roof. They got down there in front of Jesus. They said, if we could just get to him, we know we can be healed. But something else happened that they didn't expect. They expected him to be healed immediately, to get up and walk and things happen. He could run and jump and begin to walk because he had never walked before. But something happened. What happened in that house that day was a double whammy. Heard that word before, double whammy? You've been expecting one thing and got double? Well, see, that's what happens when you get around Jesus. Things happen that you don't think is going to happen. Well, see, this is how it is with us people who've been in church a long time. We get comfortable. We get to a place where we just expect, well, this is how it's going to be today. We don't, we don't expect it to, to be any different. It's going to be the same way. It's been all, every time I've walked through the doors of the sanctuary, But it wasn't what they expected. The crippled man received a double miracle that day. Not just one miracle, but he's received two miracles in his life. 
Because Jesus looks at him and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say get up and walk. He said your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness became, came before his healing. Jesus, he uses this word a lot, I notice. Be of good cheer. Remember, he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, let me just say this, a little side note. Jesus Christ, our elder brother, defeated the devil over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and the power of, the, of Satan himself. De the devil is a liar and he is a defeated foe. He has no power. He has no place. He has no authority in the church. He has no power and authority in your life. As long as you're washed in the blood of Jesus, you have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. He has no power over you. Because see, he wants to make you think that he has you all tied up. Because see, that's what he does. He works in the realm of not only unbelief, but if you open that door a little bit, he'll slide in. What you've got to do is you've got to shut the door in the devil's face and say, Not today, devil. Jesus is my Lord. He said, Be a good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. But see, he dealt first of all with the man's heart defect first. He had a defect, a defect in his heart. There's a hole there, see, because every one of us, when we're born, there's a we're born with a hole, a void in our life. And when we begin to raise up, become, and begin to grow up as a child, we begin to try to find things to fill that void within that hole of our heart. And sometimes we go the direction of money, of fame, and fortune. Other things, sometimes other people go this way. Drugs, alcohol, illicit sex, these things they go after trying to fill that void within their heart. When all around them Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And so Jesus dealt with the first defect of his life was the sin in his life. And immediately he says, your sins are forgiven. And then... <laughs> He looks over there at the Pharisees. Because, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within, within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven you or to say arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So after he dealt with them, set them straight. You see, Jesus, and, and, you know, and he doesn't do it on purpose, but he has a way of making the religious people uncomfortable. Because when the Spirit of the Lord moves and, and God begins to move and God begins to do things and begin, because everywhere Jesus goes, he just stirs up a mess. 
He makes a mess. Why? Because that's what the Spirit of God does. Because when the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, sin can't stay in. It can't hang out. It has to go. It has to go. It has to flee. Remember as a young man, before I surrendered my life totally over to Jesus, I was sitting in the service one morning and I, was, I couldn't sit still, man. I was all over that pew. Why? Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit was on my life and showing me and telling me that, hey, you need to get your life right. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because where the Spirit of God is, we, we get a, if you're uncomfortable, then there's something going on and you need to surrender to the Lord. To take up your bed and walk, and he was healed. It was their, it was their faith and his faith of expectation. He said, "If we could just get to Jesus, because see, they expected something to take place when they got down through that roof. They just didn't show up." Expecting to have a conversation. No, they expected. He expected. The paralytic and his friends expected something to happen and to take place when they got in the presence of Jesus. And they received exactly what they expected. See, technically the, the title of this message today is the power of expectation. You know there's power in that? There's power in expectation. Expecting God to move on your behalf. Expecting God to work a miracle where the, in your life to make a way where there seems to be no way. Well, let's, get, let's talk about the woman with the issue of blood. woman with the issue of blood, she needed a miracle. And she was willing to do whatever it took to get her miracle. I mean, anything. She was willing to do whatever it, whatever it took. The fact is that she spent everything she had on doctors. Still no cure for her sickness. I know maybe you're listening today and you've, been, you've done everything that you know to do and you still haven't received your miracle. She had heard about Jesus. She said, if I could just get to him, if I could just get to him and touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his clothes. Why? Because she had an expectation and a desperation to get to Jesus. How many of us in the church today have an expectation and a desperation to get to the Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Maybe you're sitting in a seat of complacency today. You're doing all the right things. You go to church every Sunday, Wednesday. You have church on Sunday night, Sunday night. You go to Bible study. You study your words. You read your words. You pray every day. But there's something missing in there. You, you just feel like you're in a place, and it's a place of complacency. You're doing all the right things. You're going to heaven. Your sins have been forgiven. But there's something different. There's something missing in your life. And you just find yourself in the mundane, day after day, week after week, month after month. We've been in the middle of all this mess. 
and you're still in the same place. Maybe you, you don't expect God to do anything in your life when you wake up in the morning. And that place I'm talking about, I've been there before. It's not a fun place. I'm going to heaven, but it was something missing. And lost that expectation, that desperation for God. Because I knew what to do. The funny thing is, I wasn't raised in church as a child. I was a drug addict. In the streets of Memphis. Burn out on dope. No, my grandmother took me to Sunday school a few times when I was a, a baby. But I wasn't raised in church. Knew nothing, you know, I knew about church. I've heard about church, but I wasn't raised in church. But I remember the time when I finally made a decision to give my life totally over to Christ. I was at a point, Miss Haley, that I was totally in a place of desperation. Desperation. I was burnt out, I was fried, I was, my mind was so gone and so messed up. I was so bound by addiction, so bound by sin. But when I came to that place of being desperate, that it didn't matter what anybody thought, I didn't care who I got around, I just needed, I had to get to Jesus. And I remember waking up one Sunday at my grandmother's house, and I looked at my hand, I said, I want to go to church today. And you should have saw their faces. They were freaking out. Why? Because I was desperate. I knew I did. I had to have something else. This wasn't enough. I wasn't fulfilling nothing. I still had the hole and the void in my life. I still needed something. And you know what? There's people sitting in church today who go to church every Sunday, who sit on those pews week after week, month after month, year after year, and you still sit there empty without God. You go through the religious emotions. You go through the, the, you do the right things. You say the right things. You talk, to, you know, the lingo. You know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. You know how to act around your pastor. You know how to act around religious people. But when you go home, you go home and there's still something empty inside of your life. And that's Jesus. Because when we get to heaven, you're going to find out there's going to be people in hell that grew up in church all their life, that was baptized as a baby. But they lived that life, a religious life, but without that relationship with Jesus. Knowing, as the paralytic knew, their sins forgiven. But she was desperate. And how many of you in this room have heard about Jesus? And have an expectation and desperation to get to him. I mean, get to him at any cost. It doesn't matter about the person sitting next to you. It doesn't matter what they think. You just don't care. You just got to get to Jesus. And you're willing to do whatever it takes. That means take off your religious robe. Lay aside your dignity. I just don't care what they think anymore. This is where she was. She was so desperate to get to Jesus. Nothing else mattered to her. 
how many of us today who are listening and in this sanctuary are at that point? But she had something, she had something in the crowd that day that no one else had. She had the faith of expectation and anticipation and desperation. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I would be made whole. Because there's power in expectation. Of course, I looked that word up. The active state of expecting. Are you in a state of expecting? Are you expecting God to move in your life today before you leave this sanctuary? Do you have an anticipation? Do you have an expectance in you? Are you contemplating, what is God going to do today? You talk about it coming into church today. Did you talk about it coming to church today? What do you expect? What do you think God's going to do today, honey? Son, what do you think God's going to do today? What do you think God's going to do in the midst of all this stuff going on? I can tell you, I've watched him do great things in the midst of all this mess. Why? Because all this mess is a distraction of the enemy. Why do I say that? Because when it all started, you, my lands, the spirit of fear that gripped this nation. I just begin to quote, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God don't operate in the spirit of fear. God operates in the power, in the spirit of power of his presence. Like the song says, we may not feel him, we may not know he's around, but he's always working. Always working. You don't have to see it to know that he's working. You don't have to feel the doodads up and down your back to know that God is moving. God gave me a scripture during all this time in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. The word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who trust in him. Let me say that again. The word of God is pure. He is a shield. A shield to those who put their trust in him. Thank God for our president. I like him. I'm glad we have him. But I don't, my trust ain't in Donald Trump. My trust is in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of glory. My God and my trust is in him. Let me tell, let's you a little secret. According to the Levitical law, this lady with the issue of blood, she was impure and should not even have been Outside, around people. She shouldn't have been in that crowd at all. Look it up. Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25 through 30. Look it up and read it. But she heard about Jesus. She heard about him. Something was going on. She heard noise. She heard about healings. He said this. People were talking about it all over the place. 
God was in Jesus was moving and healing the blind man, the lame man, casting out demons, raising the dead. She heard about him. She said, I gotta get to him. At all costs, I've got to reach out. I've got to get to this man. If I could just touch the heel of his garment, I know with inside of me there's an expectation and a desperation that I need to get to, to Jesus today. And if I'll just get to him, I know that I will receive my healing. You see, she didn't have anything else. But you know, we don't have to get to that point where we just don't have nothing else to receive what God has for us. How many of us come to church this week, week after week, knowing that we, that we have a need? Or in need of a miracle? But we leave with the same old results. We don't come in with an expectation or real desperation to receive that miracle. Maybe we're too prideful to admit that we really need Jesus in that situation. I've seen it happen, church, in people. I got this, man. I'm good. I'm good. God's going to take care of me. I'm good. But they walk away like this, knowing within them that there's not an expectation of faith in them to receive exactly what they need from him. I can figure this out on my own. Remember, she had to spend everything that she had to get to the point of desperation. She tried all the doctors. But that's what brought her to the, a place of expectation to receive her miracle. Maybe you're sitting here in the sanctuary or listening to my live stream today. And Jesus has been dealing with you about some lifestyle changes. Oh, yeah. When God begins to move, he stirs up everything. I mean, sometimes you just got to change your lifestyle. How you do it, when you do it, who you do it around. Sometimes you got to let the power of the Holy Spirit renew the spirit of your mind and change your attitude and your pattern of thinking, how you think about things. Because, see, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's not going to happen exactly how you think it's going to happen. Why? Because God doesn't work in your realm. He doesn't do it the way you want him to do it and when you want him to do it and how you want him to do it. Why? Because he's God and his ways are always better. But maybe he's dealing with you today to, to change your lifestyle. And submit everything to him. Oh, submit. What do you mean? I gotta submit everything. See, you gotta give it all. You gotta give it up, man. Ma'am, sir. You gotta give everything up. You gotta submit your will, mind, and emotions over to him and give him everything in your life. Because he does he demands nothing less. Those who serve him. We've got to submit everything in our lives. It's time for you to push your way through the crowd. I said it's time for us to put our, push our way ourselves towards, through the crowd. Instead of pushing him away. And being afraid that you're going to get too close to him. Oh, he may ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Yeah, he probably will. Well, because 
We must submit everything over to him. Pride of life. The lust of the eyes. I've got to give it up. Press our way through the crowd and get to him and touch the hem of his garment. Don't be afraid to get, to get too close to him. You see, the deal is you don't want to give up what you're doing to serve him with everything. So you hang on to it. You do just enough, you, you think you're doing just enough to get yourself into heaven. When the reality of it is it's more than just getting to heaven. It's a relationship with him. And when we have that deep, intimate relationship with him, and we are, we are submitting everything to him daily, we're giving it an all to do and to submit our lives to him daily, then you're not going to want to do those things you used to do. Or do it the way you used to do it. And I'm not just talking about like addictions like drugs and alcohol, that kind of thing. I'm talking about just day-to-day -day life. You know, and I've seen it happen. Christians lying and think it's okay. It's not okay to lie. It's not. I'm sorry. Read the book of Proverbs. God don't like liars. Read Revelations 21.8. God don't like liars. It's just a little bit, you know, it don't matter if it's little, big, or indifferent, or white, or green, or blue, or purple. A lie is a lie. It doesn't matter. God don't like liars. And I've seen Christians lie. Oh, it's just okay. No, it's not okay. If you have a close, intimate relationship with him and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get close to him, you're not going to lie about nothing. Period. I know I'm talking straight today, but that's where I'm at today with all this. Because church, I'm ready. I am ready. I am anticipating. I'm expecting. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for a move of God in the church. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty for a move of God in America. I want to see God move across this nation like he's never moved before. Oh, we need to wake up, church. We need to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. The church needs to wake up. God is in a hurry. God is in a hurry. And it's time for the church to wake up and submit themselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. God is speaking. God is wooing. God is saying, church, well, hey, hello. Now maybe this pandemic should be a wake up. Hello. Pastor's been preaching it. The spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. Just look. You can feel it if you walk down them town sometimes. We got to be ready, church. He said, I'm coming after a church without spot and without wrinkle. A glorious church, a spotless church. He's coming after a church. We better get ourselves ready. Quit flirting with the world. It ain't worth it. <laughs> it just ain't worth cheating on your taxes to get that extra hundred bucks. Well, I thought that. It's just something that came to my mind. I mean, it's little things. Little foxes that spoil the vine. 
that destroys our relationship with God. We got to be awake. We got to be alert. We got to be sober minded. We got to be vigilant. Why? Because the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Are we really willing to do whatever it takes to get to him? Because he's ready, he's waiting. The very moment that she got to him and she grabbed, the hem of his garment, something happened. Virtue flowed from him, out of him, into her body, and it says immediately the blood stopped. The flow stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? Remember, everybody was around him, thronging, pushing against him. Oh, Peter, I love him. In all of his mighty wisdom says, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody is touching you. What do you mean who touched you? He goes, no. Power has gone out of me. And he looked around and she was hiding from him. Why? Because remember, she shouldn't have been there. She was, that because of the blood flow, she was impure. So she was hiding from him. See, this is how Jesus does. He'll go wherever he needs to go. I'm going to walk down here. I want to get down here close to you. I want to look you in the eye. He's willing to go wherever he needs to go to get to you. I know. I've experienced it. I was bound by addiction. He walked into the bar and said, it's time for you to go, pal. Now, I'm, doing, I'm kind of paraphrasing what really happened, but it was really a little bit more dramatic than that. He was a little bit louder than what I'm saying to do. But he's willing to do and go wherever he needs to go to get your attention. Remember, when he walked on the earth, who did he hang out with? He go hang out with the religious leaders? No. He hung out with Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He hung out with sinners. Of course, then the Pharisees and all their religious selves came and said, what are you doing? Hang out with these people. He just made it simple. Well, the sick need a doctor, not the well. Not because he's our healer. He's our great physician. And again, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get to you. But time's running out. I said, time is running out. He looked at her and he said, daughter, it's okay. Your faith has made you whole. She was made whole. But she was willing to do whatever it took to get to him. She didn't care what anybody else thought. Or maybe she had clothes and her clothes were stained with blood because of the flow. I don't know. But she didn't care. I'm going to close here this morning. Because in a few weeks we're going to be having a tent meeting here. We set out, set up right outside here. My question is this for us 
Are we going to believe for a great awakening during that week? Are we going to believe God? Are we going to come with such a great expectation every night for a move of God? Oh, no, no, no. Let me back up. Let's just rewind. Are we going to believe? Are we believing now for a great move and a great awakening of God? You know your heart. You know where you're at. You know what you've been thinking. Maybe you haven't even thought about it. You just come to church, hear the announcement. Oh, hey, we're going to have, a, we're going to have, a, we're going to have some services next coming this September. Woo, woo, woo. Well, anybody can go to a service. I mean, anybody. But what's, what moves God, okay, is not how great these men of God that are going to be on the platform preach the word. And there's going to be some good, great preachers. Our pastor is one of those. But it's not about how great they can preach. But it's about what are we expecting God to do during those meetings. Are we expecting the glory of God because, see, every time Moses went to the tent of meeting, he expected God to show up. When we go to the tent that night, those nights, are we expecting God to come down with all of his glory and all of his power and all of his majesty that everybody around, as far as the eye can see, the houses, What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Something's weird here. Something's weird here. Something's going on. What's going on? What's going on? What's happening? And they're grabbing a hold of things. Why? Because the power and the glory of God has come down in Culloden, West Virginia. Hurricane, West Virginia. Milton, West Virginia. Huntington and around all the way down. And all of a sudden, the bishop of the church of God of West Virginia calls and says, what's going on up there? Something, we're feeling it all the way down here in Beckley. Why? Because the glory of God has come down. Are we expecting the power and the glory of the Almighty God to stir us up, to change us? Are we going to come out of these meetings transformed, changed by the power of God? Not the same people. That's a move of God. Is this... Is, the bars and the, the taverns and all those hot spots that you see everywhere. Are they going to shut down because of the power and the glory of God moving in this place and on this property? It can start right here. The Great Awakening in America can start right here in a town called Culloden, West Virginia. That's not even incorporated. It's an incorporated place. Because see, that's the way God works. He works in places where nobody ever thinks about. Why? Because the people have an expectation and they're desperate for a move of God. They're desperate for a change. They're sick and tired of being 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 sick and tired of where they're at in their relationship and their walk with God. We need a move of God, church. Not just in here, but in the body of Christ. We need a move of God and a great awakening in the United States of America. We need to be turned upside down in our heads trying to figure out what's really going on.
You know, look, look. Are you hungry? Stand with me. I don't know what to do. I'm just ready. I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm just sick and tired. Same old, same old. I need God to do something in my life. I need God to move in my life. I'm ready for a move of God. I'm ready for a great awakening to transpire, to take place. I spent six and a half years in the middle of the Pensacola Revival. When I went there, I went there prideful, arrogant, in my little preacher self and my direct yourself and all this stuff and I walk in there and I have a conversation with the preacher and he asked me a question I said well you know I'm just like you you know real air kind of stupid really is what I was and before I left that service that night I was on my face turned upside down because the glory of God had come into that place and he showed me you're you're in a place of complacency You've been going through the motions. You've been going through all of the stuff. You've been doing all the right things. Yeah, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But you're a complacent in your relationship with me. And it's time for you to wake up. And I woke up, man, and God began to move. And I was in every service. Me and Miss Becky ran a team. We started a team challenge center in Pensacola, Florida. We stayed there. We worked team challenge. We worked the revival. We went to church every night that the doors were open and we'd stay in church till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning some nights. Why? Because you didn't want to leave. Because the presence of God was there. The river of God was flowing. The power of God was moving. If everybody who came from around the world and walked into those doors expected God to do something, they walked through. Are we expecting God to do something next, in a few weeks? In a tent? Lovely, we got to get out of this building. It's comfortable in this building. You like it in here. You got your place. You come every Sunday. You sit in the right place. You got your own pew. I do. I got my pew right there, second row. I sit in every week. We got to get outside. We got to let God move in our lives and shake us up, church. It's time for a move of God. And I pray in Jesus' name that it starts right here in Cologne, West Virginia. In the tent. We've got to be praying and believing God. I said we've got to be praying and believing God. We've got to seek the Lord. We, gotta, we need to stir up in us an expectation. Do whatever it takes to stir up in you a move of God in your life. That God can move and use you for His glory and change you and transform you. Pastor Brian, he hungers and he seeks the Lord. One thing I know for sure, that man seeks the Lord. He's been fasting and praying for this move and for this, these services and this move of God in this place. expectation for a move of God, church. A hunger for nothing else, nothing less than Him. The Holy Spirit of God.
Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I just ask you to show up. These altars are open if you want to come and seek the Lord. I just want to see a move of God, Father. I want to see you move and shake us up. Shake us up, Lord God, as a church body, as the, the church as a whole. Shake us up, Father. Help us to do whatever it takes to get to you. Help us to do whatever it takes to get to you. Help us, Father, in the name of Jesus, to do whatever it takes, Father, to get to you. That you may be glorified, Father. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you, Father. I just want more of you, Lord. I don't know, Lord, I just want more of you. I just want more of you, Lord. I just want more of you, Lord. I just want more of you, Lord. I need you, God. Come on, reach out to him, church. I just need more of you, Lord. I need more of your presence, Lord. Father, I need more of you, Lord. I need more of you, God. I just want more of you, God. Change me, oh God. Change me, oh God. Shake me up, oh God. Father, I just need more of you, God. I need more of you, Lord. I just need you, God. Come, Holy Ghost of God, shake us up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall, God, in our hearts and our lives, God. Let your fire fall. God, we need more of you, Lord. We need more of you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on, church. He's sweeping over this place this morning. I just want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. My God, I need more of you, Lord. If you're listening today, come on, pray. Seek the Lord. Go after God. Nothing else matters but Him. Nothing else matters but Him. Nothing else matters but Him because in His presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. In His presence there's healing today. God is in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house today to bring healing into your body, to healing to your mind, healing to your soul, healing to your family. Oh God, I worship you, Father. I give you praise. Oh Lord God, I worship you, Father. Come on. Church, reach out to Him today, God. Hallelujah. I know you want to leave. Your body and flesh is telling you, let's just go. It's time to go. No, it ain't time to go. It's time to go after Him. Oh, Lord, I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. I need you, Father. Come, Holy Ghost, I need more of Jesus. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Oh, Father, I worship you, Father. Come, have your way, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I worship you, Almighty King. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit of God, I need you, Lord. I 
I'm desperate for you, Lord. 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 I worship you, Almighty God. Lord, you are holy and you are worthy and you are glorified. God, Lord God, I worship you, Father. I give you praise. Come on, worship him, church. Reach out and worship him. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy. I worship you, Almighty King. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Almighty King. Father, you are worthy, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, into this house, Lord. Have your way. Lord, I worship you, Jesus. My Lord, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Father, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Oh, God, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. There's people in this room today. God is calling you to a deeper, a deeper relationship with him. He's drawing you. He's wooing you. He's speaking to you already. You know that He is. He's been speaking to you this whole morning. That He wants more of you. More of you. More of you. And the more you go after Him, the more you seek Him, the more of Him you're going to receive. Oh God, I worship you, God. You are worthy, Lord. My God, you are worthy. 